We all have baggage, Jeff. Oh, some more than others, my friend. I mean literal baggage, but you're still right. Speaking of baggage, let's talk travel. Specifically, how do you pack for a big trip? Yeah, we can't forget the camera gear. Let's photocombobulate our baggage. Put your seat backs in their upright positions. And keep your seatbelts fastened low and tight across your laps. When it comes to air travel, every cubic inch counts. From the ever-shrinking space between your knees and the seat in front of you, to overloaded overhead bins on oversold flights. We've racked up some frequent flyer miles with our camera gear, and we're ready to share our secrets. Oh, we are so ready. This was your idea to talk about baggage. I think we've talked about baggage before, but the thing about bags is that, A, there are always new bags coming out. Absolutely. And, and they always look great. And you're so always cool. thinking, got a couple you know, right here, Jeff. I right here. <laughs> can imagine. I've got one back there. <laughs> and you think to yourself, well, maybe this bag has something that my others don't. And it, it, it just gets that, that, that gear lust. But I would argue, and I, I think this is why you came up with this topic, that traveling is different from the last time we were talking about this, certainly from like, let's say, four or five years ago, pre-pandemic. And there's a lot that goes into how we travel and how we pack that I think is just fundamentally changed. Especially as photographers. Especially as photographers. We we have a special burden because we have to carry cameras. <laughs> and my thinking on travel has changed a lot. I've flown a lot this year for various reasons. And it's become crystal clear to me that I don't think I will ever be on a, another flight that isn't completely sold out. Yeah, yeah, I used to think, oh, maybe there'll be an empty seat next to me. And now I'm like, <laughs> maybe there'll be a kid next to me if I'm lucky. <laughs> right? <laughs> um it's always going to be oversold. We are continually facing flights that are oversold. People are bringing more bags onto the plane into the, into the passenger compartment because they're charging for baggage mm -hmm. and they don't want to pay that 30 bucks or whatever it is. And so they're bringing these giant carry-on bags. I have been in line now three or four times in, in recent last few months where I've been behind people and in front of people that have bags that are well above the carry-on size, and they are just whisked right onto the plane. <laughs> I have been known to stretch the limits of the weight of these bags, but I always try mm -hmm. to keep them in the right size. But I used to think that, oh, I can always put it in the overhead bin, and now I don't think I can safely assume that I'll have any space in the overhead bin because the person who's bringing on their two giant bags are going to stuff them in the overhead bin. I have no room up there, so I'm going to end up with it under the seat in front of me. Mm -hmm. And so I've started or, planning for that. <laughs> or what's happened uh, on our last flight, they basically – I mean before they even started loading the plane, they said this is an oversold flight. We yeah. know we're not going to have enough enough space. So we're looking for volunteers to check your bags, yep. which you know, the whole idea was to not have to check a bag. And then you get up there and they say – We'd like some volunteers and that mm -hmm. kind of goes on for a little while and then the tune changes and they say, we still need more. We need like 10 more people to check their bags and if we don't get the volunteers, then we're just going to randomly do it for you. Yeah, we're going to start grabbing your bags. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So 
you just have to assume that you're probably not going to have space and what are you going to do? I mean the the good part of that is that when they check your bags that way, I think it gets loaded in such a way that you have a better chance that it will actually be on the plane and it'll and be there when you get you back. And you don't have to pay the baggage fee. So I've actually you, seen a lot of people lately, Jeff, clearly uh, bringing their bags up to the gate with the expectation they're going to gate check to to avoid that fee because they waive the fees. They're like, please don't carry all that into the plane. <laughs> you know, yeah. stuff it down below for you. Um, and I've seen dozens of people on my last couple flights do that. The other thing I want to bring this up is I used to always book bulkhead seats. So the first row of coach or whatever, you know, you get that seat where there's mm-hmm. not a seat in front of you and you can put your feet up on the bulkhead. You get a little bit more knee room, that sort of thing. I've stopped booking those because I can't count on having overhead bin space. And as a photographer, the nightmare that we all kind of live with is the thought that you're going to be in a situation where they're like, I'm sorry, you have to check your bag. And you're like, but it's $20,000 of camera gear. And they're like, mm, sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Where do you think we should put it? Um, and so <laughs> I really, it was uh, also because you were taking your socks off and putting your feet up. No, you weren't. <laughs> no, not me. Never. Never. Uh, so yeah, I've had, how I book seats now has changed because of the way that baggage is dealt with. And so what I want to talk about in this episode, Jeff, is some of our tricks and some of our tips for traveling with camera gear and the other things we might want to bring, like clothing, right? And oh, yeah. if, if we want to explore the idea of possibly even going so far as to, as to go with one bag travel, but let's assume for practical purposes that we're traveling with a, um, a bag that we can put in an overhead bin and a bag that goes in the seat under the seat in front of us. How do we pack our camera gear? And that's changed what camera gear I bring on trips. That's changed what clothing I bring on trips and what luggage I use. And so I'd love to dive into this because as photographers, um, we're probably going to want to fly somewhere to take photos eventually. And it's different than it used to be flying. Yeah. (laughs) So different. (laughs) All right. Well, let's see. Where do you want to start? Maybe the one bag. Well, let's say... Small bags first because yeah. maybe I'll, I'll start with my experience last year when I went to Europe. And it's funny because I get to say that now because since I did go to Europe, we're not going anywhere this summer because we used all of our money last year. <laughs> you had a huge trip last year though. It we had a huge awesome trip, trip last year and it was great and, and I, I loved it. But I definitely learned, definitely learned a few things. So for example, we were all prepared and had the, the same mindset – don't check your bags at all. And some of this is because you're relying on somebody else to handle your luggage. Mm -hmm. And in the past, that was not a big deal. Nowadays, there are fewer baggage handlers. The airlines are stressed and the, the people working on it are working long hours and there are fewer people and there's more travelers. Like all these things stack up to even if you're just sending your clothes away, you're not putting your, your camera gear in your checked luggage, of course. There's a real chance that it could get lost or could get delayed. And so our idea was we're going to be good travelers. We're going to pack light, just have stuff with us, we'll have like a small suitcase and a backpack, and we're going to do Europe right. Yeah, We're not the whole Rick be... Steves, the whole Rick Steves approach, right? Absolutely yeah, the Rick yep. Steves approach. Yep. yep. And the snag that we ran into was 
our smallest luggage that I thought was the right size ended up not being the right size. <clears throat> and so are these like the um, hard roller bags? Is that what these are? Or are they-, uh, they were soft roller bags, but they were like – I don't know. They were like like the small compact size. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that there's an even smaller European compact size because the European size regulations are different than the US size re- regulations. Yes. And so being all prepared to just carry on everything, we got to the airport and they said, "No, this isn't going to get carried on. We have to check this." So right and of away course, in Seattle, they were like, "Right no away go. in Seattle. You're not carrying yeah. this on." Okay. Yeah. So, you know, our bags just got checked and we just had to leave it up to the airline gods that everything would turn out. And for the most part, it did. (laughs) (laughs) My bag loved Paris so much, it decided to spend an extra day coming back. But absolutely, I would say try to pack so you can just carry on. But what does that look like now? Now you're going on a trip soon. Yeah, so, we're going to be going to Costa Rica in a couple of weeks. Um, okay, we're, I really, I'm really pushing the family for uh, uh, not one bag, I, you know, one plus bags, right? So, mm-hmm. ch- uh, uh, overhead carry on bag uh, and a personal item bag. Now, I have a 12 year old son and a nine year old daughter, and neither of them wants to lug a giant bag around. So, there's that practicality. One of the nice things going for us on this particular trip is we're going somewhere warm. So we're not bringing, you know, parkas and boots and things like that. So it's going to be a little bit easier to squeeze the clothes that we're bringing into smaller bags. We may be checking a bag of clothing, but I do not want to bring any clothing in that check bag. It'd be my wife's clothing and the kids clothing. And then I'm going to carry on my two bags. Uh, And so I'm traveling as if I'm traveling, you know, European style, if, if we're going to use that that excuse. Yeah. And the bag that I'm using for my clothing is a 35 liter d- duffel bag that is made by a company called Evergoods. I'll put this in the show notes. Um, it's a new product. And I really like it. It's a, it's a very sensible size and you can carry it in your hands. I'm a big fan of backpacks, but for this particular mm-hmm. trip, I want to have a backpack that has my camera gear in it. And I want my other bag, my overhead bag to be uh, clothing. That way, if I do get stuck and I have to check it, you know, the bigger bag is the one that goes checked, not my camera bag, of course. So right. uh, I want to make sure that my camera bag is always the bag that can fit under the seat in front of me. And that's a new thing. I used to always carry as big a bag as I could carry. And when I went to Europe pre-pandemic, when I went to Iceland and, and Denmark, um, I used the Shimoda 30 liter bag, which is a carry-on size bag, but it would never fit under a seat. Uh, mm. I mean, you might, but I would count on it getting away from, you know, getting past the, the, the flight attendants as they check, right. Um, yeah. it's going to stick out so much. And so I think that that bag wouldn't travel with me as a personal item bag anymore. I want my camera bag to be my personal item. And so it needs to be like a 20 liter bag, not a 30 liter bag or a 35 liter bag. So for mm-hmm. instance, when I went to Denver, uh, a couple weeks ago to go storm chasing, I used a, uh, Backpack for that one, but it was a 26 liter backpack. So if I had to stick it 
um, under the seat back in front of me, um, I would be able to do that. And in fact, I had to both times. Um, mm-hmm. My other bag was my camera bag and it was a roller and it had to go in the overhead bin. So I had this 26 liter backpack stuffed under my seat and it worked great. It worked out really well. And so now I'm thinking, okay, my camera bag always has to be a personal item bag, which means it needs to be smaller, which means I need to bring less gear. Uh which means I need mm. to rethink what gear I have, which gives me an opportunity to buy new gear, Jeff. <laughs> I knew it was going to come to that. <laughs> not know, just new bags, not just new bags. The bags are just the start because why stop at buying a new bag when you can – I mean you can buy bigger bags. But yeah, that's you're always gonna going to have to buy new bags and different bags. You can buy a new bag, but now you need to buy smaller things to go into the smaller bag. Yeah, new bags mean new things. So I've been rethinking um, what camera <laughs> gear I bring in. So I want to I talk about the bags for a little bit, but then I want to get to camera gear because it, it's this whole thing has created a shift in my thinking as to what camera gear is appropriate. Uh-huh. Um, and what I'll be telling my students in my classes because I've always been like, oh, bring these things. And now I'm like, no, I think differently. Our technology is evolving, um, both the luggage and the, the camera gear. So yeah. – for a personal item bag. Actually, before you get into that, let yeah. me just point out that uh, I, I just had to double check. Uh, the bag that I did take to Europe that, that had my camera, like my backpack, mm-hmm. was the 30-liter Shimoda Explore V2. Okay. So the 30-liter so the did fit underneath the seat in front of me, even on a very uh, space – Lacking <laughs> you middle can say, row, you can flight say cramped. To, you can say it was, cramped. It was a very cramped flight to Paris, okay. 12, 14 hours, whatever oh it was. God. So that it, I did make it work, but there was no extra room. I had no room for my feet. <laughs> yeah, and you, you have long so legs. I have long legs, and I think part of that is I'm used to just not having any space. And so I can, I don't know. So you roll your legs up and put them in your pocket. I fold it up like a praying mantis or something. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, it will work, but it's not advised. And if I did have a 25, I would have taken that instead. So so to be specific, both Jeff and I use Shimoda Designs backpacks. We love them. We've talked about it in our camera bags episode, which we'll link to in the show notes. But what I want to point out is that when I went to Europe – Four years ago, it was, it was pre-version two of the bags. And so I had the original mm-hmm. Explore bag. And I I, wanted, I called it a 30, but I think it might actually have been a 35-liter bag. And I, okay. I, have to, I still have it in the basement. I'll have to go look. But that bag is bigger than the 30-liter. The 30-liter Shimoda bag, I think Ian, Ian Miller, the designer and owner of Shimoda Designs, he purposely designed the 30-liter to be an international carry-on size. Yeah, uh, the twenty-five liter, which I also have, is a much more compact bag. It's much thinner. It's not as thick, and it is. I think he designed that one to be strict international carry-on size. So meaning yeah. it will fit under the seat. And I, that bag, I, I would be pretty comfortable putting into the seat. But thirty liter with you, that's a crammed-in <laughs> situation, and that's risky because. A flight attendant having a bad day could easily say that's not going to work. Yeah, it's sticking yep. out. You, you're going to trip on that. You're going to die if we crash, all that sort of thing. So 30 liters is pushing it for the underseat bag, right? Definitely. Um, I think for me, that 25 liter Shimoda would be the top. You know, 25 liters would be the top of the, the, the kind of capacity for, yeah. for that under bag. But 
I think the Shimoda Designs 25 liter bag is brilliant. They do have a new action line, um, and there's a 20 liter bag, which I think is uh, even better because it's got a roll top. You could really squeeze that bag down. And an eagle-eyed uh, gate agent could say, hey, that bag is too big. And you could be like, watch this. You can just you know, cinch it all down <laughs> and really get it in there. Whereas the Explore bags are pretty puffy, pretty padded. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 they're yeah. pretty structured, I think, which is what I like about it. But it's not great for, for, for flights. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk about this, though, because I think it's a consideration. What about a bag that's not a camera bag, you know, as, as your camera bag, Right. And no, it's sacrilegious, right? Because we'd love <laughs> to talk about camera bags, but my thinking has changed. I'm really so when I'm going to Costa Rica, I'm actually taking a bag. I'm cheating a little bit. I'm taking a bag that was designed to be a camera bag, but it's not a rigid camera bag. It's it looks okay. like a regular day pack. And my thinking on this is um I'm going on this family trip. It's it's not a photo vacation. I'm not going to Costa Rica to do a photo workshop or be dedicated to photography, sunrise to sunset. It's going to be time at the yeah. beach and traveling around and, and doing family stuff. And That's I wanted a, a day pack where I can stick our raincoats because it's going to rain every day. Stick our raincoats, mm-hmm. snacks, water bottles, first aid kit, all this other accoutrements, right, that you're going to put in a travel bag along with a camera and a couple lenses. So to me, well, a good option on, is, hang a, is a regular bag. Yeah. Hang on, hon. Along with a camera and a couple of lenses. Yeah. Did I hear that right? Yeah, I know. It's hard. You're going to another country an exotic where there's country. Yeah. an exotic photogenic country. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't hear the words pelican case in there. <laughs> I didn't hear the words backup body. Sherpa. Or <laughs> Sherpa. <laughs> yeah. So tell me more about this. Well – Okay, let's go there. If you let's insist. go there. <laughs> um, I have often been the one to expound the wonders of prime lenses, Jeff. I have pr- talked Wonderful. to my students. Anybody listening who is a student in my classes has heard me talk about how much I love prime lenses. Um, yeah, I love their low light capability. You know, you go into a, a church in Europe and you're inside this amazing church and you want to get a great shot of the interior. You know, you're going to want to have that 1.4 lens. Um, I don't believe that anymore. I've changed my thinking. I know. And here's why. Here's why. One, I need to get this into a bag that carries a bunch of other stuff. (laughs) Right. Good point. Yes. And I don't (laughs) want it to weigh 60 pounds because I want to actually carry it all day while I'm traveling. Two, cameras have gotten better and lenses have gotten better and we don't have to have super bright lenses anymore. I know I'm saying this. This is just, we're just have to delete our lens episode that we did. No, no. (laughs) Let me help you out here. There are situations where we don't need super bright lenses anymore. Yes. And so let's explore why. Here's my thinking. Okay. Number one consideration is space and weight for, for me on this particular trip, especially. I love my Sony a7R5. It's a nice, size camera, if I take the grip off of it, even if I take the L bracket off of it, which I plan to do for this trip, take the L bracket off it, it's a pretty small camera body. It's a mirrorless camera body. It's not massive. If I put a capture clip on the bottom, I can use it as an Arca Swiss plate and I can use it with my capture, my Peak Design capture clip on the strap of my pack. Mm -hmm. So 
L bracket doesn't need to come with me, that big heavy L bracket, and it saves space in the bag. So I have one body, hmm. and it's a, a magnificent camera, 60 megapixels, it can do anything. I want to pair that with two lenses, like I said. I want to have a range of zoom. I want to have a range of focal length so I can go from wide angle to telephoto. In Costa Rica, I anticipate there's going to be some landscape, beachscape, travel, street mm -hmm. photography. I love to shoot nice and wide. Typically, I would reach for my 24 millimeter prime lens. In this mm -hmm. case, in some trips, I've taken a 14 millimeter or even wider. I've gone up to 12 millimeters um, when I went to Europe. I had a 12 millimeter lens for that trip. So I'm going to leave the 24 millimeter prime and the 14 millimeter prime at home, safely locked in the closet. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to replace the, and I'm leaving my 51.2, Jeff. Wait. Yeah. I, I love that lens, but it's huge and it weighs a ton. I'm going to leave it in the closet at home. So, okay. No 14, I'm, no 24. I'm going to check. No I'm going to check again with you and see if at the last minute you're like, oh, I couldn't no, help it. The 50, the 50 found a spot. I'm committed. I have a 51.2 that I love, but it's a huge. It's a huge yeah. lens, and I just don't need it for this it is. trip. It is. It is. Yeah. So I'm getting this. The it's on order. It should be coming here any day. The Sony 20 to 70 f4. Okay. It's a G lens. It's not super expensive. One of the great things about it is it's really lightweight, um, and mm. it's an f4 lens, so it's pretty dark for me, especially. I'm used to these bright primes, but. Yeah. My camera does really, really well at high ISOs and low light. So I'm going to go ahead and just crank it up to 1,600, 3,200, 6,400 or higher ISO and use that F4 lens. And it's an F4 all the way through the it's zoom range, F4 right? It's an F4 all the way through. And okay, that's not bad. It's great. It's a great little lens. I, I got to play with one the other day, and I was like, man, this is so light. It's so light. It fits really nicely on the camera. It, it packs really easily. Now I could have that lens on the camera on the capture clip on my backpack strap, and it's not giant. It's not in the way. It's it's really quite svelte. Mm. But the trouble then gets beyond 70 millimeters. So I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm going to see sloths and monkeys and birds in the bushes. And I'm going to see little creatures, those, those little tree frogs. That's what I want photos of, those little tree frogs, yeah. right? yeah. So I should be bringing a lens that close focuses, right? A macro lens. I should be bringing a lens that reaches uh -huh. so I can shoot pictures of birds up in the trees and all that. 600 millimeters, man. 600 <laughs> millimeters. I'm bringing my 200 to 600. No. No. no I'm going to get. And it's on order. It's it's going to be – I, I sure hope this works because if it doesn't, it's going to be a, a mess. <laughs> it's the new Sony 70 to 200 f4. And it's a macro lens, so it has macro capabilities. So I've already sold my macro lens because I'm like, I don't need it anymore. I've got a lens that'll do the job, mm -hmm. but it's also really small. I have a 70 to 200 lens. I think 70 to 200 is one of the most useful focal length zoom lenses you can own. I encourage everyone to have a 70 to 200. You can shoot landscapes at the wide end, landscapes at the long end. You can shoot portraits in the middle. You can do, um, with this particular one, you can do macro work with it at all at the full mm -hmm. range. It's a pretty versatile lens. It's tiny. It's really small. It's also very light. So I will have two lenses ranging from 20 millimeters to 200 millimeters, which is a pretty darn good range. 
The other aspect of the 7200, the new one, is it takes the extenders. And I have this little 1.4 extender, which will turn that 70 to 200 into, and essentially at the long end, a 280 millimeter lens at 5.6. Oh, okay. So that will work at high ISOs to get those birds. That's almost 300 millimeters, right? We're really close. Now, yeah. here's where my thinking has evolved. I used to think that if you had a full frame camera, you should use the full frame <laughs> and only crop when it helps your composition. Don't crop to get more reach out of your lenses. Just get bigger okay. lenses, right? Okay. That's why I have a 200 to 600 lens. I love shooting sports and stuff with that. But in a travel situation, you don't want to carry a big lens. It's expensive. It's huge. It weighs a lot. It's you know a theft uh, target, that sort of thing. But this tiny little 70 to 200, no one's even going to look twice at that. It looks tiny. So mm -hmm. carry that. And if I really want to reach out to 400 millimeters or even 600 millimeters, I can crop. I have a 60 megapixel camera. I can crop quite a bit and still have a lot of pixels. And yeah. now if I crop a lot and I need to make a big print, let's say I get a picture of some rare bird, right? Doing something yeah. amazing. Very and I crop way frog. in, I crop way in to get that shot. And then I want to blow it up and make a print. I can use Photoshop. I can use Lightroom now. I can use all these other great plugins to mm -hmm. super resolution, to super zoom that photo and get those pixels back. Well, and and the thing that, that came up with me when you mentioned that the teleconverter makes that a 5.6, that's still pretty dark. And it's, I mean, I've not been to Costa Rica, but I'm picturing you you know, with your Indiana Jones hat, cutting oh, through yeah. the bush, uh, you know, Shetty. lots of, <laughs> lots of, you know, canopy and, and filtered light and all that. So, and tarantulas be, all over me. Tarantulas. And tarantulas all over you. Yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, even though you're going to be outside, it's possible that you could be in dark situations. Yeah. So A, you have a camera that handles high ISO really well, but also we have tools like DxO Pure Raw or yep. even the the denoise in in Lightroom that can compensate for a lot of that. And that's been one of the the surprises for me in my shooting. Uh, for example, I, I shot an event the other day that ended up going into the evening. And so all of my shots past a certain point were ISO 3200 and above. And this wow. is on a Fuji X-T3. So we're talking about camera that's five years old at this point. So not terrible high ISO, but not, not state of the art anymore. Yeah. And so all of those shots, all the ones that, that I, you know, deemed were going to be good enough. I immediately just ran those through DxO Pure Raw and got, you know, less noise and more detail and more brightness out of it just through software. Yeah. So you don't have to worry that, oh, geez, my lowest or my, my, my brightest lens is going to be at 5.6. Oh, no, I can't even yep. do anything with that. You absolutely can. Yeah, it's not as much of a compromise, right? It used to be like, oh, gosh, I guess I'm traveling. I'm going to go ahead and sacrifice the quality of my photos. I don't think we have to yeah. make that big of a sacrifice anymore. Yeah. And, and also – yeah. Sorry, I, no. I keep interrupting, but uh, I, I just want to reiterate that this is a 
family travel trip. You're not going there to lead a workshop. Yes. You're not going to, you know, uh, 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 pad out your portfolio because you want to be known as the master of tiny tree frogs. Yeah, my right? tree frog so. book is going to suffer. No, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, you know, if this were a dedicated photo trip, we'd be having a different conversation, and there would be yeah. a pelican case involved, right? So it's why do you take pelicans with you? I just don't understand. <laughs> They're just so beautiful. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> the considerations now, it, it's always a compromise, but the consideration now for me is if, if it's too big, too expensive, too risky to haul that, then I'm not going to bring it out of the bag. I'm not going to, even if I do bring it now to, to, to be, to share embarrassing trips in the past, I went to Hawaii many years ago, mm -hmm. probably 10 years ago now. I did bring a Pelican case full of gear. I brought three different cameras, probably eight lenses, a whole big giant kit with me. And I was like, I, when is the next time I'm going to get back here? Right? That was my mentality. I want to make sure I'm yeah. covered for any eventuality. I ended up making a ton of photos on that trip, but I used maybe 50% of the gear I brought. So what I learned there was, yeah, you might be able to bring all that gear, but you might not actually need it. And so my thinking on this really has evolved. And I used to also carry more clothing. I used to also carry lots of other stuff with the idea that I don't want to be caught empty handed if I need a certain thing. I don't this FOMO, mm -hmm. right? A fear of missing out. So I want to scratch that off, though, and now say, OK, there have been times where I've been burdened, heavily burdened by huge bags that weighed a ton with tons of expensive gear that I worried about the whole time. And it diminished my enjoyment of the trip. Yeah. Now I think differently. I'm like, God, would it be nice to have a 60 millimeter or 600 F4 lens to shoot pictures of birds in Costa Rica? Absolutely. It would be wonderful to do that. But then I have to carry it. I have to buy it or rent it and all of that. And it's like, I might get more enjoyment out of shooting with my little 200 millimeter lens and cropping. Yeah. And I'll do my best. And I just want to share the, the the chill that went up and down my spine a couple of minutes ago <laughs> because I'm guessing that that Pelican bag with its three bodies and multiple lenses, that was not a carry-on. Is that right? No, I checked that bag. Can you believe it? I checked a, a bag full of uh, – to, to be fair, a Pelican case is not a bag. It's a case. It's a hard case yeah. with foam lined in. Everything was packed. I was flying direct to the Big Island of Hawaii. Okay. Uh, so I knew that it wouldn't get lost, right? I watched it go on the plane. I got to watch it come off, right? That's okay. Of okay. Okay. So there were considerations there, but I did check that bag because it was the only way I was getting all that gear there. I couldn't have yeah. carried on all that gear and it weighed 49 pounds, right? So I pushed it right up to the edge of how much yep. you could carry. It weighed 49 pounds. I remember weighing it and being like, okay, I got to take that rocket blower out. <laughs> you know, I take that out. <laughs> and, you know, I want to go back to, Something that you said, Jeff, which is an important lesson, if you're traveling to another country, especially to Europe, our American bags may not be appropriate for those places. When I traveled to Denmark, I flew through Iceland. And so I flew Air Iceland from Portland. I brought a checked bag, my Shimoda pack as a carry-on bag, along with the tripod, right? Because those always mm -hmm. you can always throw those in too. Those don't count. Yeah. So I carried on the Shimoda bag and the tripod. And I checked the roller bag, which had um, clothing, and I have my drone in a in a hard case in that bag. Okay. I carried on that 
Shimoda bag and it was loaded down. I mean, it was packed out with all this gear I was taking to Iceland and Europe. I got to, to Iceland, no problem, used all the gear, flew on to Copenhagen, had a great time. When it came time to fly home, they said, your, your checked bag is too heavy. Oh. No one checked it on the way there because they're like, oh, well, you know, you're leaving from America. Who cares, right? And I got to Copenhagen. They're like, great, this bag is the right size, but it weighs too much. I didn't add anything to it uh, yeah. in Denmark. But it was now over the standard of European, which I think was something like 42 pounds or something like that. I'm mm -hmm. sure when I checked that bag in Portland, it was 49 pounds, right? Yeah. So what I did was I said, oh, I got I got to put seven pounds in my carry-on bag because they don't weigh those. And so I, oh I remember opening on the floor in the terminal, opening my checked bag, uh -huh. opening my Shimoda pack. And taking out the guidebooks, all these guidebooks that I brought, and stuffing them in my camera bag. And then anything else that was heavy out of that bag, I think the toiletry kit came in too. And I stuffed it in yeah. to my to my carry-on bag, zipped it all shut because the Shimoda bag will swallow up all kinds of stuff. Stuffed <laughs> it up, put it on my back. I was like, oh, got into the plane, loaded up there. When I got to Portland, I stood in the customs line for over an hour with that bag. And I, was, I got shorter and shorter and shorter. <laughs> And I'd flown for like 19 hours to get home. You know, the uh -huh. jet lag was horrible. And I'm standing there in line. I'm like, why did I bring these guidebooks? Why did I bring that extra, that lens? Why did I bring? I questioned every ounce. I was like, why did I bring that? Did I use that? Did I use it enough to justify it? Mm -hmm. So here's a couple tips I'll bring from that story. Number one, you don't need to bring your guidebooks. <laughs> you can take photos of the pages that you want to remember with your camera phone. And keep them in notes in your iPhone and yeah. refer to the pages. You don't have to bring the physical books. So for me, I bring. I might bring a map. That doesn't weigh anything, but I don't bring guidebooks anymore. Yeah. I don't assume that because that bag made it to the location that it's going to be allowed back the way it was packed. So leave a little room, right? Leave some, some slop room. Don't weigh it and go, oh, great, it's under 50 pounds. I'm okay. Because it's going to get more, it's going to be more than, than that. Um, or it's going to not fit, meet the standards in the, the country you're leaving from. Yeah. Crazy stuff to consider. But what we're all headed to this conversation, Jeff, is less is more, right? We're going to travel better if we get our stuff pared down and we carry less lenses. We carry fewer cameras. I don't need to carry two camera bodies everywhere I go anymore because now I carry a 48 megapixel camera phone. And I know that if I lose my mirrorless camera i'm not without a camera um, yeah. five years ago that wasn't the case i mean the iphones were fine but they weren't a backup right 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 here's where i'd like to go with this though i want to take it even further because i've been thinking Ooh. a lot about this i listened to the episode that you did on uh, your other podcast episodes right so let's plug mm -hmm. your other podcast jeff it's called photo all right it's pretty awesome photoactive photoactive.co um, your other co-host uh, Kirk bought recently a Leica Q3, which is a magnificent camera. Absolutely magnificent camera. Yes. That camera has the same sensor as my Sony a7R5. It's a 61 megapixel full frame sensor. It's much, much smaller and it has a fixed 28 millimeter lens. And we'll put the camera on, body. Is, sorry. The, the, the camera body is much less is, is smaller, not the sensor. No, the sensor is the same size as my Sony. Exact but the same body sensor. Is smaller. Yeah, the body. The body okay, is so the camera's camera smaller. Yep, 
has this has the same type of tilt out screen has all these i mean uh, it's it's amazing but it has this delicious amazing 28 millimeter lens that's permanently attached to the camera so as you and kirk talked about in your episode it's really nice having one lens i envision a time i will get that camera eventually i'm gonna wait but i'm gonna get that camera eventually but there will be a time where I could easily conceive of hopping on a plane with just that camera and that fixed lens. Because with 61 megapixels, the ability to crop in, you can do a lot of things with 61 megapixels. You can get, you know, a decent shot cropped into 90 millimeters, that sort of thing. So would I go shoot a wildlife trip with it? No, but traveling to Paris? Absolutely. Um, I dream about, the day where it's one camera, one lens, slide it in the bag with a with a water bottle and a map, and just go spend the day wandering around with a little sling bag. It just sounds like a yeah, dream. yeah. Well, and and let's let's be more specific about how this works because for most cameras right now, you can you can crop in. So you're taking your shot, and then later on, you're saying, "I really just need this much of it," right? But I I, co- I couldn't get as close or whatever, and so you just crop down, and you have uh, fewer megapixels, but it's still a good a good result. Yeah. The way the Leica handles it is it actually like shows you little lines that say this is what. Uh, you know, a a ninety millimeter. I can't remember what the specifics are. I think but, it's ninety for that one. Yeah, a ninety, yeah. and I think there's also a fifty, fifty millimeter yeah. option. Yeah. So you can like you know quote crop in, but it's not actually blowing up the image. It's just showing you what the dimensions of this would be, so that you can frame it within those. Yeah. And then and then when you take the picture, what's saved is just that area. Oh, I think it saves the whole. I, frame. I think. Okay, I think it saves. It saves the, I could be wrong. Well, you should ask Kirk. But I think it saves the whole I frame. Listen to my own episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you guys got that that uh, granular okay. with it. But yeah, the here's the cool part: those lines that show up on the screen in the Leica Q3 are um, like the rule of thirds lines that we can put on our cameras, our other cameras, right? Yeah, um, they don't change the file. You can always. Go back. I'm so glad I got the whole shot. But when you're composing your shot in camera, you can visualize that longer focal length. That's really hard for me to do without those guidelines. Uh, My camera, Mm -hmm. my Sony, I can switch it to APS-C mode, which is different than what we're talking about with the Leica. So with the Sony, I can go from full frame mode to what they call APS-C, which is the same size sensor you have in your Fuji cameras, um, which gives you a 50%. That's right. 50% boost in focal length. So if I'm shooting with a 50 millimeter lens and I switch to APS-C, now it's a 75 millimeter lens. And what my camera does when I take the picture is it saves just that cropped file. It doesn't save the full resolution one. So what I've started doing with my Sony camera is I don't switch to APS-C mode. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why I don't switch to APS-C mode anymore. I've actually turned it off in my menu, so I can't get to it. (laughs) <laughs> is I think I know why. When you shoot in the APS-C mode, it gives you a cropped image that's only you know, something like 40 megapixels. Yeah. I think it's even less than that. The Probably. problem is I used to have it assigned to a button on my camera and I would be shooting along and I shot an entire assignment on crop mode and I didn't know it. I just changed my lens to fit the focal length. I was like, I was just in the flow, right? I got all my files back. I'm like, these are really low resolution. <laughs> They're not the full 
fat file I'm used to. Um, yeah. So I love the idea that the Leica camera gives you the full file, but in the composition, in the process of making the photo, you're thinking about the smaller file that you're going to make yeah. later, which I really love that. that. Because you can always change that your sounds mind. about right. You can always change. Your yeah. Mind. Well, and you know, let's look at what that realistically means. So, I'm still shooting my uh, Fuji XT3, mm-hmm. which is a 26 megapixel sensor, and there are a few times when I wish I had more resolution, but you know, 90 percent of the time it's perfectly right. fine. So, if you have a 60 megapixel sensor and you're cropping down. To I mean the like the ninety millimeter would probably be like right around twenty six megapixels or maybe eighteen mm-hmm. something like that. That is still absolutely usable. Yep. And like you said, it's something that if it's really cropped in, we can enlarge it and not have that sort of penalty of the blurry interpretation interpolation. Right is the right word. Interpolation. Uh, yeah. Interpolation that we used to get. So now, like, you can shoot at that small crop and still get something usable. Yeah. And you're not worrying about, oh, geez, maybe this isn't as much resolution. And so I really shouldn't even bother. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a, it's not a pinch point anymore. It used to be for me. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, um, it wasn't that long ago we were shooting with 20, you know, megapixel or less camera sensors at full frame and you're like, wow, I'm cropping that to half of that. And I'm really getting down there in pixels and I blow it up and I'm like, Ooh, it's all soft. Yeah. Now it's with, not just with the super resolution capabilities of the software, but now we're talking about mixing in some AI that's mm-hmm. identifying what that subject matter is and saying <laughs> to a point with some photos and some systems. Now we know that's a tree. We know where we can get a higher resolution version of that tree and put it in there for you, right? So that's where we're where we're headed. We're not quite there. Headed, yet. yeah, not, <clears throat> not not quite there, but we're getting closer, right? I think. Yeah. By the time this airs, maybe it'll be. I don't know. <laughs> it's moving so fast, it's head spinning. But yeah, um, all this is to say, the things that we used to worry about and the sacrifices we used to make to carry more gear, technology. And wisdom of traveling now has mitigated a lot of that stuff. And now we can, we can get the outcomes we want with less suffering. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's also worth saying you can get pretty much the same outcomes as you did before with less gear, less weight, less baggage. Whereas before, I think there was a real cost to downsizing. There yeah, was absolutely. a real you, – you were making very clear trade-offs. Mm-hmm. But I think it's entirely fair to say now you can get the exact same shots as you could have before or yep. very, very, very close. <laughs> so Un- close nobody noticed, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unless you're you're trying to emulate that – 600 millimeter shot, <laughs> 600 millimeter F 2.8 picture of the bird in the, in the trees, what right. have you. But again, th- it's not that kind of a trip. Right. And yet you're going to be able to enjoy yourself more, carry less, not have to think about all the different options and 
just have a better trip and still get great photos. Yeah. What I'm aiming for personally, what my goal is, is to eventually get to the point where I'm carrying a comfortable backpack that will fit under the seat in front of me. And it has all the clothing and toiletries and camera gear and my iPad, everything I need on my week or two trip. And I'm good. And that leads to an area that we haven't touched on, which is the clothing side, right? So there are a few hacks that you can use to to help with the, the, the bulk of your clothing. No clothing. No clothing. No, not <laughs> a hack. No clothing. That's not a oh. hack. That's oh, a sorry. horrible idea. Sorry. Horrible sorry. Idea. I, I don't I'm, know where you're I'm, traveling to. That's a horrible idea. I'm going idea. in the wrong direction. <laughs> so here's a couple of hacks. I've, I've not tried these couple ones I'm going to mention, but I've heard about them and they make sense. Okay. One is ship your stuff. Ship your clothing. Mm. Okay. So if you're traveling to a place where you're going to meet relatives or meet friends, ship them a box of clothes. Go there, use those clothes, stuff those dirty clothes in that box and ship it back to yourself and it'll get get to your house when probably probably about the time you do. <laughs> um, that's one option. Mm-hmm. The other option, which I actually really like the idea of, because when I'm traveling, a lot of times I'm like, oh, that's a cool T-shirt or that's a cool hat. That's something I want to bring something home from that place. I heard somebody suggest on a travel podcast I was listening to that you could wear clothing that you were going to be donating soon anyway. Mm. (laughs) You bring that clothing on your trip. You use that clothing. You donate it and you bring back either a smaller bag or a bag with stuff that you bought in it. So that's, ah. that's something you could do. But here's my hack. I learned this on my trip to Denmark. Actually, I learned this in Iceland. And this is a great trip tip for anybody going to Iceland. If you're going to Iceland and you're not staying in a hotel, you will not be able to find a way to wash your clothes. There are no laundromats in Iceland. Now, that may be different than it was four years ago. But there huh. are literally no laundromats in Iceland, which blew my mind. I get on my phone. I'm like, I'm my clothes are dirty. It's time to wash my clothes. And I'm like, I, you know, Iceland laundromats. And it's like nothing. Evidently in that culture, you, if you're staying in a hotel, you might have a laundry service available to you, but otherwise you just take your dirty clothes home with you when you go back to whatever country you came from. So I said, well, I'm going to go back to my, I wasn't staying in a hotel. I was staying that particular night in a little cabin. I'm going to go back to my cabin. I'm going to wash the clothes that I want for tomorrow in the sink. And I'm going to hang them up outside in the sun to dry. And I got back and I had some soap that worked for that. And so I made a sink of soapy water and I washed the socks and the underwear and the shirt and stuff that I wanted to wear the next day. And I hung it up and it worked fine. It dried in the sun and it was ready to go the next day. When I got to Denmark, I'm like, I really enjoyed this. I'm going to do it again. I got my hotel sink, made soapy water do that. So now I found um, these little sheets and you can get a little bottle of this soap or you can get these little sheets that dissolve in water, but they're travel laundry detergent sheets. Mm-hmm. And you can make this soap, soapy bath and, and wash your clothes in the sink and, and hang them up to dry. That allows me to carry a lot less, you know, less than half as much uh, as I used to carry as far as clothing with the expectation that I'm going to do the laundry myself. Or if, if I'm in a place with the laundromat, I'll go to a laundromat. When we're going to Costa Rica, the hotel, one of the hotels we're staying at has laundry service that's free. It's included in the room. I'm like, huh? 
definitely planning nice. to use that. So I'm going to be packing a lot fewer clothes than I normally would, but I'm also anticipating that they're going to get washed at some point in the trip. The, the days yeah. of saying, well, I'm going to use that item once and I'm going to bring it home dirty. Those days are gone. I'm going to use the item two or three times because who cares if yeah. you wear the same shirt multiple days? You know, it's oh, yeah. fine. So when we went to Europe, we sort of took that approach. I think I packed maybe three days of clothing mm-hmm. and we were there for a good two weeks. And it, it was that idea of, uh, you know, washing things out every day or every other day. And it mostly worked. Uh, I would say if you have a trip where you know where you're going to be staying – Double check to make sure you can do that because we yeah. ran into a couple hotels where they specifically said, do not wash your la- your laundry in the sink. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, and this is embarrassing as heck, when we were in Rome, I've been in hotels before, uh, typically like I think business hotels. In the shower sometimes you'll have – a a line that you can you know you, you pull it out from a little spiral thing and you hook it over and you can use that to hang your things on. Mm-hmm. The hotel in Rome had what I thought was that it was a little little cord uh-huh. in the shower, <clears throat> and I'm sure there's some listeners who can see where this is going. Uh. I and so I took that and I I couldn't find a little thing to hang it onto, so I just like stuck it on the door and I put a, a shirt over it. Well. That little little cord is an alarm so that if you have something wrong in the shower and you need help, you pull that and it sets off an alarm on the entire floor. Oh, my God. <laughs> so don't do that because it made a very big alarm and it took a few minutes to figure out how to turn it off. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, but – Make sure that you can actually do that. But if you can, it's super, super convenient, uh, especially if you are in an area where you have uh, you know, room to hang things up where it's going to actually dry. So it's dry enough there. It's not mm-hmm. super humid. Right. And uh, to reference our past episode about uh, different types of clothing – I made sure I had, you know, like good lightweight synthetics, especially because I was in Rome in July. It right. was 100 degrees there. So those things dried very quickly. So all of that went into my thinking and worked out really well. Yeah, leave the blue jeans at home. You know, don't don't bring the big heavy sweaters and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I think all great tips. And I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about this trip because we're going to try a lot of this stuff. I'm trying to teach my kids – the idea of economy, right, of, of traveling frugally and yeah. um, saving the money for experiences, not being burdened with things. This is something we try to teach a lot in the house as I sit here in front of all these books, right? <laughs> books don't count. Yeah, books but, are different. Books Hold are on different. there, buddy. Totally different. <laughs> but in everything else, and camera gear included, you know, look at your stuff and be like, do I really need that? We've mentioned this before, but I think it's worth repeating. If you use a program like Lightroom, do an audit and look through your photos in the last year and say, how often do I use those lenses? Because you can do smart mm-hmm. collections by lens. You can filter by, by lens, by focal length. And you could say, how often do I use those, uh, those particular pieces of equipment? And do I need to bring them on this trip? Because we do so much out of habit. And so break mm-hmm. that, break that pattern and, and question everything, scrutinize everything. Yeah. And I will also point out last year. So, you know, of course, I had my big European trip and I took a fair amount of gear, but it was still really 
pared back. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I had uh, brought anything that I didn't use. But I definitely brought some gear because for me, partially, even though it was a family vacation, there were times when it was a photo trip for me. I, I did get up early. We're and photographers, shot, right? Shot a sunrise <laughs> in Tuscany. I mean, yeah. I, I, I couldn't not do that. However, uh, earlier in the year, I had a trip where we went to New York City and Washington, D.C. And all I took okay. was my little X100V, Fuji X100V. And that terrified me because I've not traveled with just a single camera with a fixed lens. And it turned out to work out really well because I had that expectation of I'm not going to try to do everything photographically. I'm going to do what this camera will allow me to do. And it allowed me to see the city in a different way and just think differently photographically. And it really was a great exercise and also showed me that if necessary, I can get by without a bunch of things. Did, was it liberating? Did it feel, you know? It was liberating. Yeah. It was liberating. I'm, I'm hoping Is it going to be my default? Probably not. But not, it was liberating. But it was perfect for that that particular trip. And yeah. um, I'm really hoping that this Costa Rica experience is, is uh, a solidification of my, my mindset, which is that less is more, leave more you know, room in your backpack for, you know, other things or just use a smaller backpack, which is going to let you walk further and let you explore more and not be miserable because, um, you know, we, as photographers, we do carry a lot and we get up early to go shoot those sunrises and then we have to keep up with everybody all day and then stay up late and shoot the sunset. And then the more we Mm -hmm. can do, the more things we can do to hack ourselves so that we can get through those long days and get the photos that we want better. I don't know about you, but my knees are not so happy about carrying big bags anymore either. Oh. So that's also a factor. I think another thing, too, that, that I've been thinking about a lot as I prepare for this trip to Costa Rica is I really don't want to look like an American anymore. I, I don't want to yes. show up with a giant bag that's clattering along the cobblestones. Clack, 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 clack. Like, oh, here comes the Americans, right? Yeah. And so I want, I want to travel more European style. <laughs> I want to be a little more... A little more uh, kind of conscious of the, this, the space I take up in the world. So mm-hmm. that nice. all said, let's wrap up by talking about some of the things that we like to bring with us or some of the things that are, excite us when it comes to, to travel and being a little bit more uh, thoughtful with our with Absolutely. Our Let me grab my 600-millimeter lens. <laughs> <laughs> I have a 600-millimeter lens and the, the carbon fiber tripod that goes with it. <laughs> I'm going to start with something really basic okay. while you dig around for your stuff. This is a, a water bottle. <laughs> i Funny Very thing, basic. I've learned this as a as a, a now in my fifties, and I've I've learned this that I don't do well if I don't hydrate. So a typical water bottle like the one you just held up is what I use most days. But I picked up one of these this year. It's a memo bottle, and it's um, flat. Right, this holds a mm. liter. This is a big one. This is one of the larger ones, but it's flat. But it's stainless steel. Um, I'm trying to do less with plastic. And this also is a little bit insulated, so it keeps it a little bit colder, uh, so it's double-walled. But it's stainless steel, and it's flat. And so what I do when I'm flying is all of my backpacks have side pockets. It's a requirement now. It's, I won't buy a pack that doesn't have some sort of out, outside pocket that I can slide this in. But a, a full-size water bottle is sometimes too bulky. What I do is I bring this empty, right, so I can get through TSA, and then I fill it up. Um, when I get into the terminal and I've got a liter of cold water in the plane because 
sometimes they come by with that little cup. Sometimes they don't these days. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, I want to be able to stay hydrated. And then when I get to where I'm going, I don't have to buy an expensive bottle of water. I can usually find a place to fill this. So for me, number one kind of travel hack is a good uh, water bottle that fits nicely into a bag. So this flat bottle helps with that. Well, and the thing I love about that is I have many bags that have side pockets for water bottles. And I think only one of them, actually only the Shimoda one, will actually fit a water bottle. Where you can get it if in you have out. stuff yeah. that's in. Yeah. 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 So, you know, yes, technically you can put a water bottle there if you also have nothing else inside the bag. Right. And so, you don't yeah. want, I just want to mention, we don't want to put the water bottle in the bag with the camera no. here. It always no. wants to be on the outside so it doesn't leak. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So uh, one thing, and I credit you for this, change the way I travel, which sounds overly dramatic for what it is. But I have a bunch of little tiny zippered bags. Yes. And it sounds counterintuitive. I'm taking more stuff. So I'm taking more bags to hold my stuff. And yet having that compartmentalization – makes such a huge difference. So for example, uh, this one that I have, it's by Granite Gear. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, my wife got this for me on your recommendation for Christmas. And there was a pack of like maybe four or five Mm -hmm. of these little bags in in various sizes. We'll put a link in the show notes. They're definitely worth getting, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a nylon bag. It just has a, a little zipper. But this blue one that I'm holding, this is my power bag for my laptop. And all it holds is my power brick and the cord that goes with it. And then I have like another little purple bag, and that is my power bag for everything else. It has my chargers. It has, uh, you know, when we went on our international trip, had the international uh, power converters. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that all I had to do was grab the purple bag, and that was the bag of power. And I could get anything to charge any of the devices. And having that separation, even though for, I mean, decades, literally, I know that all the stuff is in this one pocket in my bag. Just jammed in there. (laughs) But every time you're like, oh, this isn't the right one and this isn't the right – and you're pulling things out. And it's made such a difference that I'm embarrassed that it took me so long to use it. Yeah. The little ditty bags are just – they're so nice. I'm I'm anti-clutter. You wouldn't know it from my desk right now because it's covered with stuff I'm packing for this trip. But I, I just love bags. So uh, on my desk, just, just grabbing things. I have these pouches for everything. So pouches yeah. for, for everything because I, even though I spend half of my week doing it, I hate looking for things. I hate being like, mm-hmm. I swear it's here somewhere. And I've gotten really hyper organized because it's it's part of my mental health routine. It's like I, <laughs> I'm going to go crazy someday looking for something. I swear I set it down over here and now it's gone because somebody moved it or I forgot yeah, yeah. where I put it and all that. <laughs> so in that mindset, I'm going to stick with pouches like you said. One okay. of the companies I really love and I'm, I mentioned the duffel bag towards the start of the episode that I'm going to be bringing. I carry a lot of this stuff from this company. They're called Evergoods. They're just a little teeny company out of Bozeman, Montana, and they make incredible backpacks and travel bags and all of that. So they, they make a bag for just about everything. They don't make a camera bag yet. And I'm okay with that because I can fit stuff into their bags that is with inside of other bags. But this is called their civic access pouch. Number one, which is a one liter bag. And it, I've got a map here to Costa Rica, but in here, 
some money. There's a bunch of zippered compartments and it closes with magnets and nothing can fall out of it. Everything's zippered. And there's even a little loop for pens, but it's got some structure. I could, it expands to hold things. So right now what I have in here is this is going to be sort of the administration bag. I've got um, our passports. So four passports in here. Got this map. I've got a notebook with a bunch of notes about Costa Rica. I've got copies of all of our hotel and rental car contracts and sheets are in here. I also have electronic copies in my phone, but I wanted to have some hard copies in case I couldn't use my phone for some reason. Definitely. Um, but it's all in this bag, and this will slide inside my backpack. It fits really nicely in some of those flatter pockets in the bags. And so it's also got kind of hidden pockets. I've got money and stuff stashed in here. So this is going to be our little bag, and it's it's orange. It's, I'm not going to lose this. I'm not going to leave it sitting on a table in the hotel. So I've tried not to buy black mm-hmm. pouches and bags because – if I set it down on a dark table, I could not see it really easily. Yeah. So I'm yeah. buying more bright things. Like I'm and, and if for people who are just listening, <laughs> for people who are just listening, what I love about that is that is a flat bag. I mean, it's, it's not you know completely flat, but it is flat-ish. It can get pretty so, darn flat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like like maybe like an inch, half inch, depending on, on what you have in it. So yep. that's that's also nice because, as you know, like you end up tucking things into different corners. Yeah. Um, another thing about these little bags is if you find yourself, like you mentioned earlier, if you find yourself in a situation where you need to redistribute things, it is so much easier to say I can just grab these three bags and move them to my backpack mm-hmm. versus hang on, mm-hmm. let me grab this six mile of cable (laughs) and as i pull it out my uh passport has gone flying and your airpods my airpods are gone and the chocolates that i bought that melted because i forgot that they were at the bottom they're all gone you know all of that you just quickly easily move things out all right i'm gonna throw in one more thing and again this is one of those things that i can't believe I went so long without ever using them. Maybe I just didn't travel enough. But getting compression sacks for your compression socks. Nope, not sacks? not compression socks. socks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, for, for some people, compression socks. <laughs> I, I thought that's where you're going. Okay. <laughs> okay, compression socks are probably good. Um, and, and actually, I, I did use the wrong term. I think I think uh, c- compression bags for your clothing. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I know. What you're a, 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 a compression sack <clears throat> is more like a like something you put a tent or a sleeping bag into right, in a small right. space. But these are the 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 flat um, zippered bags where you fold up your clothes, you put them all in there, and you can basically squish them down really well. And you get the advantage of having things all in one place. So mm-hmm. these are all my shirts and these are all my socks, which is really great because, again, you don't want to have things flying out. Yep. And God forbid that you have a bag that opens up if it does get checked and then you you look out the window and there's your underwear all over the tarmac, right? <laughs> Baggy Chandler's are holding them up. Look at that. <laughs> oh, this would fit me just fine. But – it really does conserve space when mm-hmm. you can stuff a bunch of things in there, zip it shut, and then your clothing doesn't expand the way it naturally wants to. Yeah. And you actually end up having space that you don't have to fill it with anything or you know you're going to get a T-shirt or two. 
Yeah. And that, that works out great. So that's made a huge difference for me. Yeah. I'll add to that. Um, I really am a big fan of packing cubes and packing bags like you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Packing cubes. That's the term. I've, I've tried the ones that are actually like a giant Ziploc bag that have a valve in them and you can uh, yeah, yeah. like lay on it and squeeze all the air out and then it's really smashed down. And I, I, when I went to Iceland, I put my big down parka in one and laid on it and squished all the air out. And it just is like this thick, right? And slid it into my bag. It was great. Um, But for normal clothing, non-downy type things, um, I really like the Peak Design uh, packing cubes. Mm. The smaller ones especially, a really nice size. And what's great about them is there's a floating divider in them. So you can, as your clothes get dirty, you can move them to the other side, right? So you fold them back up, put them in there. And you can keep your dirty clothes, clean clothes, um, separated and organized and, and, and still squeezed down, right? Because one of the things you don't think about, you worked really hard to pack your bag nice and tight. And then as things get dirty, you just stuff them in there and it take, they take up a lot of room. So <laughs> yeah, smashing them down works really well. So nice. I want to finish up by talking about camera gear. So I started at the beginning talking about the idea of a, a personal item bag that's small <laughs> enough to fit under the seat in front of you. It maybe uh, doesn't need to be a camera bag. And that was a bit sacrilegious, but I'm going to stick with yeah. that. I believe that a normal day pack or a sling bag, whatever you prefer to carry, can work really well as a camera bag if you have items inside that protect your camera gear. And so for Costa Rica, I'm actually going to try out this. Um, this is kind of a wild one. This is by a company called Wandered. Uh, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but it's a inflatable lens uh, bag. And that looks crazy. It's pretty waterproof. It's pretty water resistant. It's, it's got a w- well-sealed zipper and it's padded on the top and bottom, but you can let the air out. There's a valve here and um, you can shrink this down to a shorter lens or a taller lens. And so I'll probably keep the 70 to 200 F4 in here, zip it shut, cinch it down, and then you blow it up and it wraps itself around the lens and it's really, really padded. It's really durable and it doesn't weigh anything because it's mostly air. Pretty amazing. And then my camera itself with the 20 to 70 will be in another pouch that I'll put a link in the show notes. I'm actually trying out one from a company called Moment out of Seattle. Mm. And it's really nice. Um, It's weather. It's not waterproof. It's very weather resistant. I'm really concerned that I'm going to be out in these pouring rainstorms in Costa Rica in the jungle. And I want to be able to carry my camera easily and access it without opening up a whole bag, right? And so the day pack I'm going to be using has a little side zipper where I can reach in and grab smaller things and pull them out. So it'll be able to pull out this lens case, but I could also pull out this camera body bag with the lens in it. So it's like a little holster, but the ingenious thing about this particular one is there's a place on the back where I can put a Peak Design capture clip attachment point. And it can actually just lock into the Peak Design capture clip that I'll use on my backpack strap. And so I can carry my camera in a weather-protected case on the front of my bag so I can get it in and out. I don't have to stop every time I want to take a photo and pull the camera out in the rain and and take a photo and then hide it away. It'll be in this easily accessible pouch that I can snap right into that thing that I'm already using to carry my camera. So I'll put links to all those things in the show notes, but those are some of the little items that I think work really well to keep your camera gear safe while it's inside your bag with all these other things you're going to carry with you, these water bottles and packets of, um, yeah. you know, passports, all this good stuff. <laughs> power bricks. You say bags. all these, you say all these other things, but I think we've really effectively reduced that number of all the other things. Yeah. Hopefully just in this conversation. Hopefully so. it's a much smaller bag, but you know, 
as as is my want, I will want to bring more than I probably need. Yeah. So I'm working on bringing yeah. that down. And let's hope that the uh, that the lenses actually arrive before you. Leave. Yeah, the twenty to seventy will be here for sure. It's on its way now. the The seventy to two hundred is supposed to be released August eleventh, and I know I ordered it really early. I mean, I ordered it like the same hour it was announced, and so yeah. I'm sure to get it probably in twelfth or thirteenth. I would hope. So excellent. Yeah, I'm excited. All right, well, and, and then we'll have to do a, a debrief and see how it went. Because Absolutely, and share some photos that will be really blurry because I cropped them too much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend, this sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. Let's get traveling. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you.